welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another Destiny Changing Word by David Entry from one of our Revival Seeking Youth Services. If you want to control your world, catch the word. Be blessed. The reason why it's good to teach clean theology. The reason why it's good to be exposed to what the Bible really says. Because the quality of your Christian life is at the mercy of your understanding of what the scripture has got to say. If you say you believe in God, it doesn't mean anything. Believing God doesn't mean anything because someone might say, I believe in God, and he's talking about a different God from the one the Bible is talking about. And so when you are a Christian, you need to know what the Bible actually says. And you can't just know it because you read it. But you know it like the Ethiopian, in Acts, Ethiopian eunuch, in Acts chapter 8, verse 30, said to Philip, Philip said, do you understand? Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? The man in verse 30 was, how can I understand except someone teaches me? That is why God has set in the church apostles, prophets, teaching priests. So the, the main job of a pastor is not to cuddle you in your problems. Wow. The main job of a pastor, the real work of a pastor, is to teach you to understand what the Bible is saying. Amen. That's the real work of a, of a pastor, to help you to understand what the scripture is saying. Because Jesus said in the book of John chapter 10, the scriptures cannot be broken. So if the scriptures cannot be broken, it is necessary to grasp the scriptures. When you catch the scriptures, you have caught God. Jesus came to live his life based on, it is written. It is written. He said clearly that I did not come to condemn the prophets. But I came to fulfill what the prophets, Moses and the prophets, have. he was there for, in Matthew chapter, I think Matthew chapter 6 or chapter 5, verse 17, 18, somewhere there. Yeah, chapter 5, verse Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So he said, whatever I am doing must be traceable to what is written, else I am out of order. I'm out of line. Whatever Jesus, Jesus so whatever I live, my life is to fulfill what is written. My life is, and he told the uh, Jews in John chapter 5, verse 39. He said, you search through the scriptures. You search through the scriptures, thinking in them you have eternal life. That's it. You, you, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these, these are they which testify, the scriptures is about me. That's what Jesus said. He said, I came to live the scriptures. When you see me, you are seeing scripture in manifestation. Scripture being lived out, that's, what I, that's who I am. That's why demons had to cry when they see him. When they saw him, demons have to back up when they saw him. Why? Because he was living the scriptures. In him was life, and the life was the life light of men. But not, not just that, he says, and the word became flesh. John chapter 1, verse 14. Hey. The word became flesh. 
Until the word is given a living expression, we can't see the glory thereof. You're preaching. The word became, Moses spoke about him. Elijah spoke about him. Isaiah spoke about him. Nehemiah spoke about him. The prophets, Ezra, they all spoke about him. But all what they said must have fulfillment by his living. The scriptures. The scriptures cannot be broken. He said, you search through the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me. But you will not come to me because of your pride. You will not come to me. The scriptures testify of me. In Luke chapter 24, verse 24, it talks about how when he resurrected from the dead, the two guys, he began to teach them. And from verse, I think, 26 or so, it says that, and from... Awfully hard to hear. And then Bible says, verse 26, Bible says that uh, all not the Christ have suffered from. Verse 27 is the one I'm looking for, actually. It says that, and beginning at Moses, that means, you know, when we say the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomies are called the books of Moses. And the law is in there. So from Moses, that's from Genesis, Exodus, from Moses. So anyone who tells you Genesis was really, is, Jesus is not the part of the scripture, has, not, has missed it. You, you, there's no way. Huh. You say Genesis chapter 1, you can't believe it. Where do you start believing the Bible? Is it chapter 2 or Exodus? <laughs> it's a question. If you can't accept chapter 1 and you say it's a big bang, the first chapter of the Bible, if you can't accept it, what makes you think you can accept the rest? Okay, where do you start accepting it? Is it chapter 2 or chapter 3, chapter 4? Or Exodus or Deuteronomy? Where do you start accepting it? The whole scripture is a hymn book. (laughs) It's all about him. So Bible says that, and beginning at Moses, I like that. He began from, that means Genesis chapter 1. This is Bible studies with Jesus. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, all the prophets talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Lamentations, uh, Hosea, uh, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zechariah, Zephaniah, Malak, Malachi. I mean, all three. He began from Moses and through not some of the prophets, but all the prophets. He expounded, he explained. That's the pastor's job now. He explained to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. You can't know Jesus if you don't open the Bible. The only way you can clearly define Jesus when you open the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about him. So the job of a pastor is to help people see Jesus more. How? By opening the scriptures and helping people to understand the Bible. When you go doing outreach, you know, their favorite thing is want to attack, and they want to confuse you about something. That, you know, what they do is, they'll take one text, one verse, and they say, okay, the Bible is saying that. <laughs> Only one verse, you are choosing it to, the Bible is, oh, come on, come on. But the thing is, if I explain it to you, would you even be able to accept it? So it's not because they want to believe, but it's because they, are, they choose to be skeptical. Some of you are born again here. And yet, you still don't understand some things in the Bible, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's not everything I will get, but the basic things you have to understand. Yeah. 
Like Christ died for our sins. Yes. No, if you don't understand, you can't be born. You can't, you can't be born again when you believe the wrong gospel. No, no, no. You can't believe the wrong gospel and be born again. You can't be truly born again. The true gospel is Jesus died for our sins in the first place. The gospel helps you to know you are a sinner. That seems to be like a bad news. So you, should, you know the bad news so the good news can really be good. Yes. A sinner who can't do anything about yourself and about your sins. How many of you can choose to forgive yourself for what you did against somebody? No, you can't. The only one who can forgive you is the one you have offended. Yeah. Yeah, the only one, that's the only one who can forgive you. And Jesus looks at somebody in Mark chapter 2 and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Ha! They said, Who is this man? Who can forgive sins but God? No one can, who can forgive sins but God. He was just telling, I am. Yeah. Those who lived in his days, they knew he said he was God. One of the reasons that they crucified him was that he said he's God. Yes. So I don't have to answer. Go and ask those who crucified him. They will tell you he said it. <laughs> yeah, he said, and John chapter 19, Pilate was even more afraid. When he heard that, they said he's a son of God. He went to him and said, who are you? Tell me who. <laughs> John chapter 19, I think verse 6, 7, 8, somewhere there. And Jesus didn't answer. He said, don't you know I have the power to free you? That's why Jesus had to answer that one. You don't have the power to kill me unless it's given to you. But he went to him and he was more afraid when he said, they said, I don't find any fault, verse 6, verse 4. I, don't, I find no fault in him. You want me to kill him, but I find no fault in him. But they said, no, he's, he's, he's impeccable. You can't convict Jesus of sin because he has to be a spotless lamb. Other than that, his blood can't save us. The blood that can save us must be pure. Pure blood. And no human being has a pure blood because we are all born in sin. Jesus was pure. So the one who crucified him, the one who who authorized his execution, said, this man has not done anything wrong. That tells you the flaw, how flawed human judgments can be. He was being judged by the highest court. And at the same time, the one who was judging was rather, be, was rather under judgment because his verdict was wrong. He said, he confessed, I find no fault in him. And he said, okay, then you should take him and crucify him yourself. They said, no, we can't crucify him, we can't kill him. And he said, but what has he done? He said, he calls himself, he said he's the son of God. As soon as Pontius Pilate heard that, they said he said he's the son of God, or he's God, he was more afraid. They just answered him, we have a law, according to our law, he, who, uh, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. That's the, those who kill. So look at the next verse, Pontius Therefore, Pilate, when Pilate heard that saying, he was more afraid. So he went to Jesus. Can you imagine? Pilate said, uh, who are you? Tell me who you are. And he was going back. He was afraid. He was afraid. The Bible said he was more, initially he was actually afraid of the guy. But now he heard that he said he's the son of God. He was more afraid. And then verse 9 says that he was and went again to the praetorium and said to Jesus, where are you from? I'm not, I'm a, not, not from Jesus of Nazareth. I'm a Nazarene. No, no. I'm a Nazarite. No, no. Where are you from? You know where I'm from. No, but that, he meant like. His mind, his mind was drawn to the fact that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And the word became flesh because Jesus was the only one who chose, who chose his date of birth. He chose the day you'll be born and the day we will die. 
He said, I came from the Father. I came. He was not like, he didn't exist. He has always been. Yeah. And he said, okay, one day I'm going to be born. So that's why Pontius Pilate, if you're a son of God, that means you chose your date of birth. Where did you come from? He didn't answer him. The people crucified him because he kept saying. John chapter 5, verse 17. Said, My father worketh, he that I work. Verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Why? Because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said he was, uh, also said that God was his father. What does that mean? When he said God was his father, it's not like you saying that your father is, no, that was, that carried heavy weight. For Jesus, any human being to say, God is my father, the Jews who understood the God of the Bible, who knew the God of Moses, they knew that if you say God is your father, you are making yourself equal with God. So he actually said, he, that's why he said, John chapter 10 verse 30, I am my father, I want. So they sought to kill him because, but he came to live the word. And the job of the pastor is to open the word. The job of the pastor is not necessarily to make people happy. No. No. From Ephesus, no, from Malta, Melitus, in Acts chapter 20, from verse 16, 17, he wanted to spend Pentecost in Jerusalem. So he didn't want to go to Ephesus. Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia for he was, he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem if possible on the day of Pentecost. He wanted to spend Pentecost in Jerusalem. In 1 Corinthians chapter, I think 16 verse 7 and 8, he said something there. For I do not wish to see you now on my way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. This one, this one thing I will teach one of these days. Some of you just say things. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll be there tomorrow. Add if the Lord permits. He said, he told us clearly in James. I was reading my Bible some time ago and I saw that. Don't just say, say if the Lord. He said in the Bible clearly. I don't know why Christians are missing that one. He said, don't say tomorrow. James, it's in the book of James. I'll study and I'll study. Don't just say, I'll go today, tomorrow, I'll do this. James 4, 16. Let's start from um, 13. Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow, I will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there. Buy and sell and make profit. You are planning. And you say, this is what I will say. Look at the next verse. Whereas you do not know what, whether pandemic is coming or they are going to ground aircrafts. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and vanishes away. Verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do that and that and that and that. That's very good. So Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 7, it says that um, if the Lord permits, I will see if I can spend a while with you. But let, verse 8. But I will, tarry, I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. So I won't leave. I'm going to stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. That's a different time. But this time, he said in Acts chapter 20, when he got to Miletus, he said because he wanted, he wanted to say from Miletus. So Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. He didn't want to stay in Ephesus. 
because he had to spare. He wanted to catch Jerusalem and the day of Pentecost. He wanted to be in Jerusalem on Pentecost. So now from Melitus, verse 17, from Melitus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the leaders of the church. He sent for them. And then when they came to him, he told them so many things how he has, he has hazarded and made, lived a certain life. He said he's going to Jerusalem and he knows that chains and afflictions awaited him. Hey, he's going. But I said, no, the Holy Ghost is showing that chains and tribulations await him. And they were crying for him. He said, don't break my heart. Please stop it. But he, he said that he sent for them. He said, chains. But look at verse 24, 25. He said, but none of these things move me because I'm ready to hazard that, uh, risk my life for the gospel. Say amen. amen. That, that's the kind of Christian God is raising in our midst. People who say with Paul, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself. So why? So that I'll finish my race. Everybody has got a race. Yes. If you count your life so precious, you'll finish your race. You can't finish the race God has given you. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 7, he said, for I fought a good fight. I've, he said, I fought a good fight. I finished this is, this is the, the, at the end of his life, he said, I finished my race. So he said, now therefore, there is laid up for me a crown, oh hallelujah, a crown of righteousness. Because he finished his race. May you be able to say that towards Amen. the end. But he said that none of these things move me that I will so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify, uh, to, to, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Now watch this. Say, I want to finish my ministry. Listen, when you are born again, God gives you a ministry. Assignment. There's always, no, you don't have to be a preacher with microphone. You don't need microphone to fill your assignment. You don't need it. Some of you, your biggest desire is so you can stand on the stage. You are not preaching to anybody on the street. You are not having credible evidence of people you are raising. Wow. And you want a microphone. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Just in case the microphone accidentally gets into your hand, God will not even use you. Oh. It's your manship you are looking for. But he said, verse 25, indeed, now, I know that I, uh, now I know that you all amongst whom I have gone preaching the gospel will see my face no more. What? But this, this is not the whole thing. He was telling the leaders, church leaders, look at verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why? For I did not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I'm not afraid of your face. I'll tell you the truth of yes, God's word. So then he said, therefore now, take it to yourself. Pastor, church leader, take it to yourself and to the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseer. The job of a pastor is clearly there. To, he was telling them in Melitus, he called for the pastors of Ephesus. They come to me. They say, Apostle Paul is there. We are all going. They went with joy. And he shared this thing with them. And he said, take it to yourself. Not only yourself. And now if you're a pastor, your job, take it to the flock. The flock. The flock. The church of God is a flock. Take it to the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. It's the Holy Spirit who assigns your church, your members. Over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer. To shepherd. The word shepherd, Greek word, poimen, means feed. 
The biggest assignment of a pastor is to feed. Feed the people with what? The food of God's word. How do you feel them? How help them to understand what the Bible is saying? Uh, so those of you who want to be pastors, and all of you should desire to be pastors, actually. You didn't say amen. Ah. If I say you should desire to be millionaires, most of you say amen. Some people are still not really properly converted. Because when your heart is for Jesus, like Majority said, he said, I'm an accountant, I, am a, I have a degree in hospitality, yeah. yet my biggest desire is to be a pastor and preacher. Wow. Yes, God for Jesus. <laughs> Let me tell you something. One day, if God appears to you in a dream, like appeared to Solomon, and he says, what do you want? What should I do for you? Please don't say, give me money. <laughs> Tell God, can you make me a pastor? Can you make me a preacher? Can you, can you give me the... Uh, uh, some of you don't know, uh, today I'm about to let a cat out of the sack. I, oh, even last week, I was still begging God, God, please, please, there's one thing, if there's anything I desire from one thing, make me a great teacher of your word. Please, give me that privilege. Please. It's my, my greatest desire in life wow. is not to marry. Some of you, I know that's all you're thinking about. <laughs> my greatest desire in life is not to have money. God forbid. How can that be my target in life? Mm. And so when you get the money, what happens then? You use it for wrong things because you never desire. Your desire is just to have it. Yeah. But your desire should be something glorious. Yeah. So then God will begin to fund you for that thing. My greatest desire I'm telling you, I've never said it publicly. I don't say it. But I'm up to now. I'm still hungry. God, please, before I die, help me to make a significant impact in the body of Christ through teaching of your word. Through teaching of your word. Through teaching of your word. That's why I got myself a red Bible. So it's red. Warning. It's the traffic light. Stop and listen. That's why I don't use iPad in preaching. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just there. I just want to hold the Bible because I want to. That's my greatest. Listen, if I'm your pastor, your greatest desire should also be to God. God can use you yeah. in different capacities. Maybe you'll be the next prime minister, but you should desire that if you are in parliament, if you are in politics, if you are in commerce, if you are in sports, if you are in fashion, if you are in entertainment, whatever you find yourself, you will be a representative of Jesus and the mountain of God. Shout yes, Lord. Please sit down. The reason why some, some of you, God might not use you is because it's not your desire. It's not your desire. You only want to use God because you've been having bad dreams. <laughs> yeah. So you want to use God so it will stop. You want to use God because all your boyfriends are broken your heart. Now you want a, man, a husband who will not break your heart. Because you can tell church guys are good guys. When you look at the guy, the way some of these guys with their beard, 
and looking very all that cool. You think that it's good to have myself one of these guys. Or you look at some of these lovely ladies, the way they are intense about God. You feel like, I would like to have a wife who loves God like that. But really, not a God who can give a wife like that. That's why some of us can be going to church and the church never gets into you. You left the church, you went away, you said, oh, I stopped church. It's because church was never in you. Church was never in you. How can you abandon Christ if you have tasted the good word of God? How can you abandon Christ? And then you use emotional issues because I was saying, this love of Christ, it goes beyond the soul. It's deep in your spirit. It's a spiritual thing. He said, I thank God whom I serve with my spirit. Romans chapter 1, verse 9. It's the spiritual thing first. If it's emotional things, the slight emotional disruption will begin to affect your service to God. Someone whose heart is hot for Jesus is always thinking about, in spite, Paul said, none of, none of these things move me. Neither do I count myself, my life dear to me. You are, you are too self-centered. Forget about it. You are not that important. In the grand scope of things, you are not that important. Let's learn to put ourselves aside and put Christ on the throne in our lives. We just read it from Melitus. He said, bones and affliction await me in Jerusalem. I'm going to Jerusalem. And he didn't want to go to Ephesus because it would delay his journey to Jerusalem. Meanwhile, you have been told, look, look at verse 22. Look at verse 22. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. You are only bound in the flesh. Bound, you are only bound in your soul. Your emotions are ruling your life. I have like emotion. <laughs> As for me, because of what I have been through, everybody has been through something. Excuse me. Everybody, some people go to United Kingdom swimming from Libya. <laughs> you, you just self-centered. That's why you think you think you are the only one who has been through something. Everybody has been through something. Stop using what you have been through as an excuse for not doing what God wants you to do. Am I preaching to? You are preaching. He said, See, I now go bound in the spirit, not knowing, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. I'm, I'm still going. But watch this. Except the next verse. Except that the Holy Spirit Himself is testifying in every city I go, saying. That chains and tribulations are waiting for you. So it's like when he goes to every city, all the cities he's been going, and he says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. There are prophetic words that are saying there's bounds, chains are waiting for you. But he said, I'm going bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Why? Ah, thank you, Jesus. Why would you go when there's danger ahead? Because he had an assignment to fill in Jerusalem. I'll show you. Look at the next verse. Now I'm preaching something else, but no, that's okay. But none of these things, what are these things? These witnesses I'm hearing, is true, but they don't move me. Why won't something like that move you? When you are told bones and afflictions are waiting you. No, he said, no, I don't count my life. That's what I'm trying to say. You count your life too dear. You can't do this Christ thing if you count your life too dear. 
He said, neither do I count my life dear to me. It should be your slogan in the context of fulfilling God's assignment in your life. If it means fulfilling God's assignment in your life. Neither do I count my life. I've lost friends, no problem. Everybody who really gets born again and decides to live for Jesus loses friends. So those of you who have lost friends, welcome to the to the club of the true Christians. He said, neither do I count my life dear to me so that I might finish my race. The reason why some people, by the time Jesus is coming, they haven't done their race, finished, is because they counted their life too dear to them. You have left the choir because you were offended. Yeah. You have left the ashes because the, the leader of the ashes told you you shouldn't, you shouldn't have stood there. You should have stood there. And you have free, you are. <laughs> and so now, because yeah, we don't even want to be part of the ashes anymore. What, else, what other department would you be part of? You are failing in the ashes. You want to take the failure to the choir? It's, it's about self. And until you learn how to get over yourself and let Christ be on the throne in your life, you can't live the Christian life effectively. And you have a whole group of people who will be supporting you in your mess, in your derailment. You have derailed from the right path. Paul told the Galatian church. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched Chapter 3, verse 1. Who has bewitched you? Paul said, he said, oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before who said Christ was clearly and evidently prodigal as crucified? Verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Who has been, you started right. You start all foolish. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect in the, by the flesh? <clears throat> you started right with a genuine heart. With a genuine, who has bewitched you? <clears throat> the gossip you are hearing is bewitching you. Some of the phone calls you are receiving, and then you know, the pastor was saying because someone and I didn't. Did, uh, why do you allow him to talk to you like? Why do you allow him to talk to you? Like, uh, you see, they are bewitching you. They are bewitching you. They are bewitching you. You started right, and those who say I don't like to be told what to do, you you cannot be discipled. You cannot be discipled, and Christianity is about discipleship. It's not just church membership. Discipleship. What don't you understand about neither do I count my life dear to me? What don't you? It's clear, plain text, black and white. What don't you understand about that? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. What don't you understand about this? That has, it has actually become a problem for you. See, if you really are Christian and Christ is in your heart, you won't have struggles living for Christ. But the way you are struggling to live for Christ, you have not repented. You are not really born again. You are not. You are the one who Matthew chapter 7, verse 23 and 24 will happen to. Okay. 
<laughs> hey, today it seems to be hot. It's getting hot. Oh. Yeah. Look at from verse 22. He said, many, 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 not only a few. Many, many. <laughs> many. I said to me, Lord. You are calling me Lord. He said, not all those who call me Lord, 21. Not those who call me Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. Wow. Not as if people who are calling Lord, it's not all. Then those who are dancing and singing praises. Most people are just music fans. You are not a genuine praiser. It's not praising God you are praising. It's the music you love. Because you have always been a music fan. I feel like preaching. Please sit down. I haven't gone to my message yet. Hallelujah. So what I was trying to say is the purpose of a pastor is to help you navigate through scripture. To see what the Bible is saying. Because until you can see what God is saying in his word, you can't live an effective life for God. You cannot walk with God in the absence of his word. So in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, it said grow in grace. And not only in grace, and in the knowledge of of our Lord and say, you have to know him. You have to know him. Bible says that um, the law was given by Moses, John chapter 1 verse 16. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by, verse 17, sorry. Grace and truth came by, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth, truth, reality, knowledge. You have to know. You have to know. You can't be ignorant. You can't serve God ignorantly. Else Paul will have a message for you. The God you serve without knowing, him declare I to you. You can't, you can't, our God, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Yaakov, the God of the Bible, the God of the Jews, the God of Daniel, the God of David, the God of our Lord and Savior, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the God of the church. It's a God who you can't serve without knowing. Because he desires to reveal himself through scripture. So the more you close the Bible, the more you are trying to walk with God, closed eyes. You'll be full of try and errors. And the Black Panther will be telling their version. Islam will be telling their version. Atheists will be telling their version. And some people who call themselves professors, but they, they, are, they are dumb when it comes to the things of God, spiritual things. They will think they have the right to make comments of matters, subjects they don't have working knowledge of. But I'm talking about church. And they are the ones advising you. Because your eyes can't see. So the word must be taught, and then after we teach the word, you go home and study. You must be a Bible-owning Christian. I'm going to another. You must be a Bible-owning Christian. Why is it that you don't have Bible app on your phone? I'm just asking a question. It's just a question. It's just a question. But I thought you were a Christian. It's just a question. You don't have You have every other app. Some apps that you can't even find. No one can find. You have to pay before you discover the app. You have them. You have them. All kinds of apps. 
dating apps. And some of you have every eating app. You have TGI app. You have Nando's app. You have McDonald's app. You have Burger King app. You have creamy something, creamy. Creams, creams app, yes. You have duck and waffle app. Now you are planning, waiting for Hakasan to bring an app. about the Bible, he said, you don't have memory on your phone. <laughs> you don't have storage. You don't have storage. You don't have, you don't have storage. <laughs> Hallelujah. But then you read your Bible to check like the Berean church in Acts 17, 11. They went back after they had Paul, the Berean church. That's the first time unbelievers called them Christians. Called Christians first in Antioch. They went back to check if the things which Paul was saying in Thessalonica, sorry, Paul was saying were so. They went back. So after the pastor preaches from the Bible, go back and write. Some of you don't write anything. I'm now going to another area. (laughs) Because I have good memory. I have good memory. I have good memory. You don't intend to feed and grow. Write some things and then in your private time, instead of playing video games, you check the scriptures. You search the scriptures. You search the scriptures. Pharisees were searching scriptures. You too search the scriptures. The Bible talks about Apollos in Acts chapter 18, 25 and 26. What I like about Apollo is the Bible said he was a man mighty in the scriptures. I want to be that kind of person. His problem was he didn't, he only knew the baptism of John. So Priscilla and Quela took him and discipled him. This is a mighty man in scripture, yet he humbled himself to be discipled by people who understood the doctrines of the apostles. They continued in the apostles' doctrines, apostles' fellowship, apostles' prayer and breaking of bread. So someone who knew the apostolic doctrine had to take this guy who didn't have an experience with the apostolic doctrine, yet he was mighty in the scriptures. So Priscilla and Aquila, some of you, your problem is when a woman is teaching you. I can't see why a woman should teach me. You have a big problem from your family life. It's coming from home. But don't worry, we'll work on you, we'll help you. We'll, We'll help you, we'll help you. Priscilla is a woman. And Aquila, the husband, when they heard the way Apollos was talking, they took him aside. You know the way when you are in immigration line, the police can come and say, some of you, I know you never understand what that means. Can you, can you step out, please? <laughs> they took him aside and explained that's the job of a pastor. And some of you, by now, you should be explaining things to people. You know a lot already. Even if you sit here one day, you will know something you can explain to others. That's what we want our service to be in such a way that it will never leave people's heads 
ignorance and empty. Because you should always be able to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the hope. A reason. Say a reason. reason. Yeah, your Christianity must be a reasonable faith. It's not blind faith. Reasonable. It has data. There's a reason why you believe what you believe. So when you, we want you, when you come into the service, by the time you are leaving, you have a reason to break up with your boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't like what I said. I will even say it bigger. By the time you are finishing the service, you have the reason to move out of that girl's house. And it, you have enough. Yes, sir. Now, it looks like people are getting too serious. Now. It looks like it's a good area to stay on. I'm going to give you a secret. Anytime you see someone criticizing a lot, church leadership, pastor, and this is they are living in, there's a sin, there's sin somewhere in their life. I'm telling you. Some of them will look very pious, but I'm telling you, there's sin. Because see, sin gives Satan freedom to operate around your life. And when Satan operates, the first thing he attacks is the word of God. Number two, the church of God. So sometimes they don't even care about the results, the impact, the positive impact a leader might be having. They just complain. Complain about offering. Complain about the service is long. Those same people who say, oh, the service is long. Let's go to church. How long is the service? Three, three minutes, three minutes. Three. Are you having fun in the Lord? The Lord you can't save with gladness. You can't really get close to. Jesus went to the temple, Mark chapter 11, and equipped the people who were selling and buying. Overturned the tables of the money changers, and he would not allow anyone to come and go out for, to come and sell. And the disciples, remember how it's written, the zeal of your house has consumed me. Yeah. You need zeal to be able to go any far in Christ. Zeal, desire, love, passion. Jesus had to ask Peter, do you love me more than these things? So, the reason why I actually wanted to, I want to teach you, I don't want you to be young and treat you as a young person. Because you'll be the leader of tomorrow. Amen. And so as much as we can, we need to teach you clean, wholesome ways. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that your Christianity will not be built on feelings and emotions. But your Christianity will be built on knowledge. Experiential knowledge and love for Jesus. Because your faith grows based on what you are taught. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Faith grows based on God's word. So one of the things that happen when you are a Christian, next week I'll just pick it up, the journey of a Christian. The journey of a Christian. What it actually means to be a Christian and what, how the life of a Christian should be. The first of all, the journey of a Christian does not start with man. It starts with God. So God is the one who elects you. You can't be a Christian if God has not called you. It's by election. So God will call you. 
And how do you know God has called you? When you respond. Pastor, but how do you know God hasn't called this one? That's why our job is to preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. As you preach the gospel, the gospel will sieve out those God is calling. How come today you are in church? Someone preach to you and look at you in church and you can't have enough of church. I hear this over and over. We finished that people, some people come and say, someone came to me some time ago. He said, I was, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't think I could enjoy it, but I really enjoyed it. And I'm coming next week. Yeah, the, the word, the word, the word is getting to them. The word is getting to them. It's, it gives me a sign that God has a plan for you. It's not about me because there's nothing intelligent I can say to hook your spirit. Because your spirit and your mind are in different realms. Your soul is in a different realm, your spirit. That's why if you're a pastor, you only teach to people's minds, you will get carnal Christians. The word of God is for feeding their spirits. Now when the spirit is fed, it can educate their minds. And then transformation takes place. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But it starts with your spirit. Hallelujah. So it's so important to understand that when you become a Christian, something significant has happened in your spirit. What has happened in your spirit is God has elected you and the life of God is in you. But before the life of God could come into us, Jesus had to come and pay a price for our sins. That's why, listen to this text again. I keep going to Acts chapter 20. Nice, this is a very nice chapter, verse 28. Take care of yourself, take it to yourself and to the flock. To, to, and to what? And to what? what? What does he mean by the flock? The what? The I can't hear you. The so the church is what? The, the flock. Okay. And take it to yourselves and to the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you a bishop, episcopos, overseer. That's what, overseers. What are you supposed to do? To shepherd the church of God, watch this, this is is where I'm coming to. To shepherd the church of God, that's to feed, poemen, I said earlier, to feed, all right? To shepherd the church of God, or um, to feed the church of God, King James says, to feed the church of God, which he has purchased, how? How? Okay, so you can't be part of the church if you have not gone through the blood. Every member of the church is blood-bought, blood-washed. Every member of the church, every member of the true church, every member comes through blood. So he says that to shepherd the church, which he purchased with his blood. So how come you enter the church and you didn't come through the blood of Christ? So that's why God elected you and Christ had to die, shed his blood, to pay for your sins. So anyone who is part of the true church is forgiven. His sins are forgiven. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, it says that, it talks about how in him we have redemption through his, see the word, what, what does the blood give us? Redemption. Redemption. The blood gives us, are redeemed. We are the redeemed community. Yes, this should make us shout hallelujah. hallelujah. When you 
you are a true Christian, anything, anytime you hear about the redemption in the blood of Christ, something happens. It's like your heart skips a bit. It's something. The baby in your womb lives for joy. Yes. Something in your heart. When you hear about the cross of Christ, what, how Christ died for our sins, how Christ saves us, it does something to you when you are a genuine Christian. But when you are not a Christian, you feel that this is wasting my time. You don't like listening to that because well, what is this? this is nonsense to me. What is nonsense to some people is, is, the, is the most meaningful thing we can hear. Because it does something to your heart. It does something to your... I, am I, I do have a witness here. Every time you hear about the cross, you hear about Christ, he died for our sins, you hear about the gospel, it has a way it gets to you. It gets to you. That's a sign that God has elected you. So Jesus had to come and die to shed his blood for our sins. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. So you, can, you shall call him Jesus. For he shall, he will save his people from what? From what? From what? John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God. He ta- hallelujah. That, that's what I want. I know that I knew I hear. Pastor, I, I knew I would hear hallelujah from a Christian somewhere. The next day, John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How did he do it? That's why he had to become a lamb. In the Old Testament, the lamb means something that must be slaughtered for sacrifice. That's why in Genesis chapter 4, when God told them, Cain and Abel, to bring an offering, Abel brought lamb, Cain brought fruits. Those times, human beings were not eating lamb. I know you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> when God created man in Genesis chapter 1, and the Bible says that he blessed them in verse 28, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. And he said, fill the earth and replenish, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right. He blessed them and gave it to them. Um, go to the next verse. Uh, is it the next verse? Um, um, see, I have given, watch, watch this. I have given what? Every what? That yields seed, which is on the face of the earth. And what? Uh-huh. What have I done? Was there animals included? Animals were not included. Yeah, now you are thinking. <laughs> see, Genesis, when God created man, blessed them, says, see, I've given, it was vegetation, plants. Animals were not included. But what are you trying to tell me? I should stop eating my shaki. <laughs> <laughs> I know you like your steak. When you go to TGI, you want the full, full rack, double glazed, with Jack Daniel sauce. You almost fell. I, I mentioned your favorite. Eh? I know when I talk about food, I'll get you. So, I'm just kidding. So, but in Genesis, when the flood, after the flood, chapter 9, when they came out, chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. God almost said the same thing. He blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Didn't we see this in Genesis chapter 1, verse 8? 
God bless and say, be fruitful. And look at the next verse. The next verse. And the fear of you uh, 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 shall fall on every beast on the earth, on every bed of the earth, and every beast on the earth, and they shall, uh, uh, they, they are given into your hand. Look at the verse 3. Let's read it out together. It's okay, it's okay. I've answered your question. Shaki question. After man fell, man fell. After man fell, now he blessed animal with blood to be eaten. Animals, we can eat them. Why? That is why Cain got it wrong. So, so they could slaughter the lamb and eat the flesh and use the blood for sacrifice. Because by faith, according to Hebrews chapter 11, Abel offered unto God, verse 5, a more excellent sacrifice. No, sorry, verse, verse 4, rather. A more excellent, which he obtained a witness that he was righteous. For God testified of his gift, and through it, he being dead speaks. He offered unto God an appropriate sacrifice. It takes faith to really give to God what is right. It takes faith. It takes faith. Some of us, the reason why you're giving to God and your dedication to God is so weak is because you lack faith and trust in God. So by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Now, when Abel gave the lamb from Genesis, Bible said he brought the fattest and the best of his, of his range, of his lineup. Whilst Cain gave vegetables. So it's not the vegetables, but vegetables don't have blood. And after sin, God can look at you without blood. After we fell, to come back to God, there must be blood. Because according to the law, who asked me that question? It was you. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 that almost everything is purged by blood and without the shedding of blood there's no setting aside of sin there's no remission of sin so in the Old Testament they always had to sacrifice animals so the blood would cover their sins until one day the actual pure lamb of God the actual pure lamb of God will come and take away the Old Testament, the blood of the bulls and the goats and the animal covered the sins. It didn't take it away, but it just covered it so God can still relate with them. That's why they needed blood. So God told them before they left Egypt in Exodus chapter 12, he said, slaughter the lamb and eat the flesh. Eat the flesh. He said, eat the flesh. Roast it. Don't boil it. Roast it. I thought the whole message on that. Roast it and eat it raw. No, 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 don't eat it raw. He said, roast it and eat it in haste. But you don't use the blood. Don't eat the blood. Why? If you trivialize blood, you won't take the work of Christ on the cross serious. So in the Old Testament, he gave them a prohibition that you can eat the flesh, but don't touch the blood. Because the life is in the blood. So he said, don't touch the blood. Don't, I, I also preach a message on that. Yes. Don't touch the blood. Don't touch the blood because the blood is for redemption. Yes. So then, if you don't respect blood, when the original blood also shows up, 
you trivialize it. So God gave them a prohibition, which seemed to have been flipped on and extended in the New Testament. You know, in the New Testament, they said in Acts chapter 15, they said they should abstain from fornication. Fornication has always been a problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but you don't want us to talk about it? Not me. I talk about it. He said that don't let us give them instructions, too much restrictions, but just write to them to abstain from pollution of idols, from sexual immorality. From, give me King James. King James used fornication. Yeah, I like Abstain from pollution of idols, from fornication, and from things strangled and from blood. Can you imagine? Eating of blood, they added it to fornication and idol. It's interesting because from the Old Testament, it seems to have been flipped onto the New Testament that we should be careful when you are dealing with blood because we are blood washed and blood bought. Now, it doesn't mean that you trivialize the blood of Christ, but you see, if you don't value blood, you will not value the blood of Jesus. So it says that take it to the church over which the glory of Virgin of Asia and to shepherd the church of which he purchased with his own blood. Blood, 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 blood. Blood. And you know when he shed his blood, the Bible says that from the foundation of the earth, he was slain. According to First Peter chapter 1, verse 90. I know it's kind of too much for a pastor. How can he be slain, killed, the blood? So that his blood can cover Adam. His blood can cover Adam. His blood can cover uh, Abel. His blood can cover Moses. His blood can cover Joshua. His blood can cover all the saints of the Old Testament. So that when he activated the shedding of the blood in, on the Mount of Calvary, it is already effectual from the foundation of the earth. So in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 and 16, um, it talks about who through the eternal spirit, all right, he, um, Hebrews chapter 9, is it, is it 14? Through the eternal spirit, Jesus Christ, he offered his blood. Yeah, that's the verse 14, rather. How much more shall, okay, let's go to verse 12. I like going back a bit, you know, so we can get within the context. Now, uh, not with the blood of bulls and, and uh, sorry, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once for all, having obtained what? Eternal redemption. Redemption comes by the blood. Let's all say that together. The next verse, verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified for the purifying of the flesh, it did something in those days. It was purifying the flesh to a certain extent. How much, sister? How much more shall the blood of Jesus or the blood of Christ, watch this, who through the eternal spirit offered himself so how did he, he offered himself through the eternal spirit. When you talk about eternal, you are talking about timeless. He offered himself. So when he was even on the, going to the cross and he whipped him, all the blood, the, the spirit was gathering all the blood. He, through the eternal spirit, he offered himself. And so his, the shedding of his blood was effectual even to affect those who were before him. Because effort through the eternal spirit. That's why he could be the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. 
So we are saved in the New Testament the same way, or the Old Testament saints are saved the same way New Testament saints are saved. How? By the blood of the Lamb. Wow, hallelujah. Say, so, does it make sense why God gave attention to the sacrifice of Abel? Mm. Because he was, it's a blood something. It was making reference to the blood of the lamb. Wow. It's not how good you behave, mm. but how you are in line with God's assignments and agenda. Wow. It's more important than how good you look. Yeah. Some of us, what's important to you is how good you are. You are so goody, 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 goody two shoes. Goody, goody, nice person, nice person is good, but it might not save what is important is being in the plan of God and being in the purpose of God and flowing in the attainment of God and the agenda of God. And most of the time, you end up being good anyway. Your target should not be being good. Your target is should be being God. So the more you do God, you'll be good but still in line so you can finish your assignments, finish your race in the name of Jesus. Well, so when you become a Christian, in the first place, God has elected you. And secondly, Jesus Christ has redeemed you by his blood. That's what makes you a Christian. Before we talk about your behavior, let's give the emphasis, to put the emphasis on God, the work of God, the work of Christ. And next week, if you remind me, I'll go on the work of the Holy Spirit in making us Christians. And now, the life of a Christian, what you do. It's not so much about do's and don'ts, but I would just, sometimes it's good to understand what this, the spectrum of the Christian life is about. Why are you a Christian? What are you doing being a Christian? What is expected of you of being a Christian? So that when we say, let's go and win souls, you don't say, ah. When you say, serve in church, in the local church, you say, ah. But when you understand what this whole thing is about, and what you have signed on, is about. It helps you more. That's why we need to keep teaching from the scriptures for people to understand what this whole thing is about. God bless you for listening to this powerful message. May the power of God be evident in your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Carriage Church on YouTube and listen to more messages from David Entry on all relevant streaming platforms. You can also connect with David Entry and our youth ministry at Caris Phase 2 on Instagram and TikTok and at Caris on Campus on Snapchat so you are always up to date. Be blessed.